for me, and what I tell my the students when I do adjunct here, would you pay for this? And even if you were to pay a quarter, would you be happy with it? Would you sell this? If I smell any food, it should be only food that's passing. Like if the table in front of me just got their lobster dinner, then I should start smelling the lobster as it passes by me. If I go to a, a restaurant where the menu is ridiculous, I try to get top hitters. I try to get big sellers. I won't go off the beaten path and order like lamb meatballs. So in a manager who's doing that, they're obviously more concerned about increasing their profits than they are quality of customer service and food. You are listening to Fort Worth Food Stories, brought to you by the Culinary School of Fort Worth. All right, welcome to Fort Worth Food Stories. This is week two of our summer series, and we're here again with Chef Maddie Sharp and Chef Edward Gutierrez from the Culinary School of Fort Worth. Today we're talking about restaurants and what to look for at restaurants. So let's start with what are the different types of restaurants and why do you go to these different types of restaurants? Yeah, so the, whenever you go out to eat, there's lots of different types and reasons we go out there. Um, I think the first one is going to be convenience reasons. Um, that's like a lot of our fast food restaurants come in, or chilies and stuff like that. Um, then after that, it's going to be more of an experience. Somewhere you would go for a birthday party, um, a graduation, stuff like that. And then the other one would be the one I like to talk about is the, the adventurous type. When you just want to go try a new restaurant or a new type of cuisine. Um, and then you have those type of those restaurants. Then you have uh, why you go out. Sometimes we go out to eat before we go to work, which means we don't have a lot of time to spend there. Sometimes we go out to eat after work, which means we have a little bit more time, but not all the time in the world. And then sometimes we go out to go eat on our, our days off, which means we have all day in, all day in the world to eat. And, and combining those in different scenarios is going to change our expectations that come out of there. For example, going out to eat before work at a convenience spot, which usually means McDonald's or Taco Bell, then our expectations should be way lower than going out to eat for entertainment at a higher end place. So, we get it. so Maddie, do you, do you think expectations though should still be there for like like how do you define when you go to a Taco Bell? I know you love Taco Bell. So when you go to a Taco Bell or you go to a fine dining restaurant, like how are your expectations different walking in? So for me, like I guilty pleasure, I absolutely love fast food. But and I know this is not like the a popular opinion. I don't like Whataburger. And I will tell you because every single time I've gone there, one, we're not from Texas, but every time I've gone there, it's been cold or it's been, like, I can't even say it's hot garbage because it's always been <laughs> cold garbage. Like, if I'm going to eat garbage like Taco Bell, every time, well, not every time, but most of the time, it's been hot. It's been um, my order. It's been everything. Uh, I haven't gotten too sick afterwards. Every time I've eaten Whataburger, I've gotten sick, too. Um but for me, and what I tell my the students when I do adjunct here, would you pay for this? And even if you were to pay a quarter, would you be happy with it? Would you sell this? And you can sell this piece of product for a quarter, or you can sell it for $25. You know, are you happy with it enough to put it out there? Or even if it's a free sample, are you happy with it? So when I go to a like fast food restaurant, versus like a fine dining establishment, I still have some expectations as to I'm paying my hard earned cash. I want what I want. Like if I want a burrito from Taco Bell, I want that burrito. If I want a steak from Del Frisco's, I want a perfectly cooked steak, you know? And it's just what I'm going for, what I'm craving type thing. Like I'll go to an, um, like, uh, oh, nope. Uh, 
Oni, like the the ramen restaurant. I know exactly which bowl I like. I know exactly the the extra things I put into it. And when I want ramen, I go there. Or sometimes if I want a different bowl, I'll go to Hanabi because they do it better there. So it's for me, it's I find something I like on the menu and I stick with it. I I know what I'm putting into it. I know what I'm getting bang for my buck. If I go to Chewy's, I get the Chicka Chicka Boom Boom and I get a Texas Martini. <laughs> and I know what I'm getting and I know the price and I know everything about it. You know, I, I'm a big believer in I work really hard for my money and if I want to eat this, I want to eat this and I want it done properly. Um, and that's kind of where I go for... Did that answer your question? Yeah, no, it, it totally <laughs> did. And I think to me it sounds like for you, you're... Like when you go out somewhere that's fast food, you want the food you ordered and that's the base of your expectations. But when you go somewhere that's fine dining, you want it to be cooked perfectly and and come out great. Now, Edward, I think that you might feel a little bit differently. I think, right, when you go somewhere fast food, you're just expecting food. I'm expecting substance, first of all, not even food. I'm (laughs) expecting something to put my body and continue to live for a little bit. (laughs) Not prolong my life, just a little bit longer of living. For me, it starts with the price point, how much you're paying for something. Something that a lot of non-industry people don't consider is that everything has a percentage of value. So if we're selling something for a dollar, 20% of that needs to go to food cost, right? And 20 to 30% is gonna go to your labor cost. So that means half of whatever you just paid is going to go to the employees and to pay for your food. The other half is gonna go to cost of business and then profits, right? So if I'm paying five bucks at McDonald's, that means two fifty is gone and disappeared. So I'm only paying um, you know another two fifty for the, the make the profits. So if my cook's only gonna be making thirty percent of that two fifty, how much do you think they're really making? You know, minimum wage, if that, right? So now my expectations is now of a minimum wage employee, no longer of a five dollar meal. Right? So if you go to McDonald's and like for me, there's, let's say I wanted onions and there's no onions on there, I'm still going to eat it. Even vice versa. If I ask for no onions and they put onions on there, I'm still going to eat it. Because if the minimum wage employee couldn't do it right the first time, what are the expectations of them remaking it? You know, It seems like you're setting yourself up for failure more than you getting the onions or not. Because we were there before for substance, you know, not there for food. But, but to Maddie's point, you're still paying for it. And, and I agree 100% with that. I, can't, I cannot disagree with that at all. As a customer, the customer is right. If you don't want cheese, then you don't get cheese. Yeah. You know? Especially like you, you know, you're, you're lactose. So if you Thank go, you for yeah. outing me on the podcast. <laughs> if you go somewhere and you ask for no cheese, then you better not have cheese on there. Yeah, well, that's how I feel. I mean, if I go somewhere and I'm paying for the food, I don't see a problem in sending it back. If, if I ask for no onions on it or I ask for onions on it, let's say I ask for onions and it keeps coming out with no onions, you know, maybe you just send it back till you get onions. See, I, I would just pay for After it. After the first time, I wouldn't do it twice. But uh, after the first time, if you feel unsatisfied with it, I have no issue sending it yeah. back. Um, so that's that's a good line to draw. I have issue ever sending it back just because I feel bad. I would um, too. And I've probably sent food back maybe twice in my life. But that is a good line to draw of, okay, maybe after just one time. If it's still not coming out, then it goes to, to Edward's yeah. point. And that seems like a good kind of in-between. as a line cook, a lot of times I've come into this where I'm making this salad. I've made it a thousand times today. Maybe not today. This week, I've made it a thousand times. And then there's the one person that doesn't want chickpeas in this salad. I'm like, oh. And I've already thrown them in there because I'm in the motion mm-hmm. of making it. Or making that burger that gets, it's to all beef patty special sauce, lettuce, pickles, cheese, onions on a, on a sesame seed bun. Mm-hmm. But if you don't want the pickles... <laughs> 
the whole song is thrown off. Right. <laughs> and right. you don't, you know. Right. Some, you, some mistakes do happen. You and know. especially when you're in that robotic of this is a Big Mac and this is what goes on it. Oh, you don't want sauce on it. That's the first step. Dang it. You know, right. then you have to start over. Or you don't catch the mistake and you drive through. Um, that's happened to me before in the industry. I'm just like, oh, that wasn't supposed to have. And then sometimes you catch it and sometimes it's like, yeah, and see, no that sympathy is also where it comes back to my side also, is I've been that cook, so you forgot to put onions where you did put them on there. Don't yeah. worry about it, you know, I got this. So let me make your day not so much more difficult, because I'm sure some manager back there is going to be mad saying, oh, we got those hamburger away, make a whole other one now. And you got to ask yourself, would those onions have killed me? No, they're probably healthier <laughs> than anything else out there yeah. for me. Same thing with like lettuce and tomato and mustard and all that stuff. Those are all actually healthy things. Now, mayonnaise I won't back or get behind because there's no health value behind mayonnaise. <laughs> but everything else is usually healthy for you. Yeah. I yeah, and I think I think we can agree about a fine dining place, right? Is you Obviously, you go in. I, I don't think anyone's going to dispute that if your steak's not cooked right or whatever. Right. It is cooked right, and it was mid-rare, and you don't think so as the consumer and send it back. They're going to cook you a new steak. Yeah. And, right. and Even that, if you're wrong. I, I think across that. the board we can agree on that. Yeah. But when I think about, and I, I hesitate to use names of places here in Fort Worth. You don't want to, you know, bash anybody or um, whatever. But I, I went to a, a burger place and the guy next to me ordered a salad with a burger on top. And it came out, he had ordered it medium and it came out a little pink in the middle. And he freaked out that it wasn't properly cooked, sent it back. Um, and then, you know, I, you could tell the, the waitress was a little upset, whatever. Um, but a place like that where you're paying, probably you go off with two people, total checks probably going to be no more than $40 ever. What are your expectations at a restaurant like that? Should the guy have sent back that burger or should it be something like, you know, they, they so I got, cook I got, it how I they got cook two it. sides on that one. It, it still always go back to my price point. How much were you paying for that hamburger? And then you got to remember fifty percent of that, and then thirty percent of that fifty percent is going towards the, the cook. Yeah. So if you're if you're not paying very much money there, then expect that. Because um, like that fine dining, we're talking about the steak. You're paying sixty bucks for that steak somewhere, right? So then that means that cook's getting paid pretty well, or should be getting paid pretty well. Um, but with the hamburger thing, uh, meat's a little bit second story for me, by the way. Because we all have our own personal preference of what medium is, and I have air quotes up. Okay. People will think, well, medium means it's dark pink. Medium means it's a little bit red and still in the middle. And so I don't think there's ever going to be a solution to that, um, except for the server being more informative in the beginning. When yeah. they, whenever someone says, I want a medium hamburger. Okay, sir, just to let you know that our medium hamburger is blah, 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 blah. And they kind of give that spiel. But even after that spiel, the guy doesn't like it. got to remake it. Also, ground meat is really... Kind of a touchy subject too because it should be at you know if it's a burger what's it now 155 and raising mm-hmm. for 15 seconds so that is the serve safe standard but we get around that whether it's fresh beef or whatever and some people it'll say on the menu like hey consuming undercooked or raw you know protein blah 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 it's a it's mm-hmm. a risk do it at your own thing as we're shooting oysters you know yeah. um yeah. things like that also, I've, I've been to these places where they're like, just so you know, it's it's a cool, you know, our medium rare is, or our black and blue is, it'll still be cold, you know? Right. So right. you, also as an informed thing, as an informed uh, consumer, need to be like, well, this is how I like it. Have your cook cook it to this temperature yeah. kind of thing. If that's medium rare to me and it's medium to you or your cook, 
we'll send it out that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you have some people that just want to send it back for like social status. Uh-huh. For example, when I was yeah. when I was much which younger, is what this guy <laughs> kind of seems like to yeah. me. But yeah, when I was much younger, I went on a date and um, my date she ordered um, a hamburger or steak. I forget what it was. And I ordered a hamburger and a steak, and I ordered my medium rare because I like it rare and bloody still. I rather enjoy that. Um, and I think she was doing the same thing just to mimic me. But when it came out, it was like, oh, wait, no way. This thing isn't cooked right. And I told her, like, no, no, it's cooked. It's, look, ours are the same. Yeah. And so she went and got grabbed. She went and got the syrup, okay, and then told the server it was undercooked and to, to remake it again. So I was like, okay, it's like, do you mind just keeping this in warmer for me? Because I wanted to be proper, you yeah. know, not eat in front of her. So do you mind just keeping it warm? Like, we'll refire. Like, no, don't refire it. Literally put my plate in the microwave. Yeah. yeah. I'll, be, I'll be fine. And so then another steak comes out. It's a little cooked a little higher. And it's like, it's still raw. It's still undercooked. And it didn't dawn to me later on that that was like a social thing. Like it's all she just wanted to keep sending it back to seem important in front of everybody. You guys didn't make it, right? No. Okay. Yeah, I didn't even call back. Oh, so, so what call. is the what is the proper way to if you actually do have an issue with your food? What's what's the proper way to wait till ask? your server comes back and right. it's like, hey, how is everything cooked? And be like, you know what? Right. It's a little under for me. And the server should know immediately, too. The server should be asking you to cut into your steak, not necessarily hovering over you, watching you eat the food, but still in a general location where they can see, like, uh-oh, he put the fork down immediately. They're not eating <laughs> Something's right wrong, you know, yeah. and they need to come back and address the issue. Facial expression is everything. If you're not eating your food, the server should pick up on these cues as a good server, and I think that could be a good lead way, too. What do you look for in the front of the house at an establishment? Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you look for when you go into... Either it's fast food, either it's, you know, um, a little mid-grade or fancy. We were talking about parking is a big deal, mm-hmm. you know. Um, you want to touch on parking? Yeah, so, like, for me, the restaurants, it's all about, like, if we're going to talk about, like, how to judge a restaurant, it starts in the beginning, the introduction, like, whenever we see the, we see it. So whenever we first go to a restaurant, normally we're going to be driving there, getting there somehow. Um, you know, is it easily located? You know, is it easy to find? Uh, they updated the address on Google updated the address on Yelp and all of those kind of things. Those are the, some of the stuff you should have 101 yeah. out of the way. Um, so some warning signs that their address isn't updated on Google. What else isn't updated on their menu? You know, Are they still falling behind on current health laws? Who knows? Uh, but then you get to the parking lot. The parking lot's really important for me because I hate when people try to make these tiny little parking spaces, especially in Texas, whenever you have these giant country trucks yeah. you know, that don't fit in small cars. And so a lot of people have giant trucks down here. We, ne- we never take Ken's truck downtown. Right. We <laughs> always drive my car. <laughs> right. So, you know, I hate, so I hate it when a business person, they say, ooh, I'm going to put eight mid-sized cars in here instead of putting six regular-sized parking lots. Yeah. So in a manager who's doing that, they're obviously more concerned about increasing their profits than they are quality of customer service and food. And that starts right there in that parking lot. That's interesting. So I never would have thought that it starts right away, right yeah. when you drive your car up. There's places we don't go because he prefers to drive that yeah. we would go to often. Yeah. And I don't want to name names, but we like the food there. But it's if I go pick it up, or we take my car, and I and I drive an SUV, and even then, it's still kind of difficult. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So a lot of people have that thing about driving. Like you said, some people love driving. Some people just want to get in the car and drive for 15, 20 minutes. So um, then after the parking lot, for me, let's say once we're in the parking lot, is it clean? Are the lights are the lights there? Um, is there oil stains everywhere? And I think you brought up earlier about trash cans outside. If there's trash cans outside, they clean, they take them out. Because again, this, this starts to show more about the management style and the owner style. 
Um, if the parking lot's really tiny, they're trying to make money, the, the light bulbs are out, and there's trash everywhere, clearly all they want is your money, right? They're not trying to give you an experience or any dining. Um, also, with dirty trash and broken lights, this is going to increase uh, vagabonders and crime also. And the last thing I want to have to worry about is my vehicle being left in the parking lot getting robbed after I go eat somewhere. So increasing lights, getting rid of the trash, more parking lots um, will help decrease those kind of things. And how much weight do you put into something like this? I mean, you talked about, you know, you some places you won't go because you can't park. Um, but, like, Edward and I went out for lunch uh, a couple weeks ago, and the parking wasn't great and the front wasn't great, but we still went in mm -hmm. to try it. So, yeah. like, how much weight do you put into it? You guys went into that because you knew the establishment it was, a, it was a new grand opening. You'd had the cuisine. You knew some of the people. You wanted to support your friends and support local. You knew what you were going to get into yeah. once you got into that establishment. If I had never gone to the previous place, I probably wouldn't have reached out and tried that. You Interesting. Know? Yeah. Um, I went to a barbecue place that just opened a second location. The first I went to the second location because I'd had the experience of the first one. Um, you know, and... <laughs> The, the quality of the food and everything like that, like the barbecue was great and just, you know, there was a few like logistic things, but it's a slow starting, you know, establishment, like opening a second is a very big deal, you know, but I knew going into it, I could get A, B, and C there and I wanted that, mm -hmm. you know, and, and trying new things, but you guys went in because you knew what you're getting you saw someone leave, right? Because yeah. he didn't know where the front door was, and he's like, Meh, I don't know if it's worth it. Right. You yeah. know, I, it's it's huge. Uh, accessibility to your customers is everything into, um, as far as getting them in the door. And once they get in the door, what are you looking for? You yeah, know, and, like, and that's great. Yeah, what what are you looking for? You've made it through the door now. Oh, hold on, but we got to back up before we go through okay. the door still. Is someone we're, the we're, door still even, we're still <laughs> not through the door. So, you know, parking lot, lights, cleanliness... Then the aesthetics of the entrance, like we we're talking about the place that we went to, there's a long rail on the side of the building. So we had to walk all the way around this building and then walk back past down the rail into the front door. And so you said most people would already want to do that. Because by the time you're at the end of that rail, there's another restaurant right there. Yeah. And you could easily just keep walking and be at the front door there quicker. So the, the logistics and engineering of how it's designed in the front is also pretty important. I would have jumped important. the fence. Sorry, guys. Right. I would have done so, it. Like, so the jump of the fence, that brings up a great point. That also is going to increase your um, chances of lawsuit as a business owner because people are impatient, right? They were going to jump, especially when they're selling alcohol. Um, and then um, a lot of the stuff wasn't done in the front. Like the, the, the sideway wasn't cut out, wasn't cleaned out. There's still construction rebarb and and signs everywhere and to me it's a really bad sign like don't don't do a soft opening don't do any type of opening unless you're ready not not getting ready that's different you can call yeah. your friends and family to come over and hang out for a little bit and that's acceptable to me but if you're gonna take my money as a full paying customer you need to be fully open also now if you call it a soft opening we talk about that when we get to the inside I'll accept some logistical errors and stuff like that because you're figuring it out but your construction has to be done yeah. Because that means that they ran out of money. That means they didn't budget correctly. So I'm just I'm even more afraid now to go in there because if you didn't budget correctly, how much shortcuts did you do in the kitchen? How much how much are you underpaying your staff? Yeah. Because of those things. Um, then even before we go in there, all extractions done. The the building. If it was a pre-existing building, did they re retrofit it? Did they make it look new, different? Did they paint the walls? Put up new trees? Did they actually increase the property value? Or did they just change the sign and paint the building? Because if they just changed the sign and didn't paint the building, that means they're not actually there for the community. 
They're there for a quick profit, or maybe even a bankruptcy turn around and then uh, change their tax bracket. The people that put the trees in there, they put the paints, they, they put all that stuff in there, they're increasing the value, that just increases the value of their neighborhood. And those are the kind of restaurants. Like just looking at that makes me more excited to go inside of there than just a, like Someone a Someone put about. some thought into this. Right, yeah. 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 Um, and then we go to the front door. <laughs> <laughs> the front door to me is a very, very, very big deal because I believe this is the first true interaction with your customers that starts. In the beginning, we looked at everything, right? So it's all visual kind of things. We never interact with anything. But the front door is the first time your customer touches your building. Is the door handle clean? Is there years of dirty, you know, human skin buildup on there? And I remember from like, I remember from high school, the, the door handles from high school, they had like caked on, and just gross skin everywhere. That, yeah. Take your thumbnail and you, and you flick it all off. <laughs> I look at that in a restaurant. <laughs> and you should, next time you go to a restaurant, look at that front door. Yeah. Are they cleaning it on a daily basis? They should be spotless stainless steel because that's the first point of cross-contamination for germs is occurring. So are they paying attention to those things? So after you touch the door handle, it's clean, and then you open it. This is, to me, it's a really big thing. Does the door open easily? Is it a big 100-pound door where me and I have to put my left foot on the other side just to <laughs> crank it open? Yeah. Or the exact opposite, so light that I put a little bit of effort and it goes slamming open? Because either one of these is going to make your customer um, be embarrassed. And mm-hmm. so embarrassing your customer at the first step is the worst thing you can do. That's a good and, point. And it comes with the door. Um, I've even seen door handles that, you know, you're supposed to open it from the left, but the door handle's on the right. You know what I mean? But there's a doorknob on top of the left-hand side. So it's, it's confusing you thinking that you're supposed to grab this side. You're like, oh, wait, but they just did a terrible job during construction phase. Yeah, yeah. And they changed the hinge over here, kept the handle there, but they put it over here. Yeah, and I mean, to me, I'm thinking... Uh, door handle, you know, whatever. But I, it's all these little things, right, that go into whether or not you're going to go back. Right. So, Maddie, maybe you j- jump in here and talk about what you see when you first walk in, you know, whether it be a hostess or whatever. There's a few restaurants that are kind of middle grade that I love to go to, like Red Robin, BJ's. Um, what else? Uh, I mean, the Tavern. I mean, oh, that's like an actual establishment. Yeah. I love them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> They always open the door for me. And now that I have a newborn, I am always lugging around this big thing. I go back there because the door is opened to me. Chili's does it too. You know, like just these kind of middle grade, that's what sets them apart from going. The food is kind of through, not the tavern, they're elevated. But these middle grade chains throughout are pretty much the same stuff, different. You know, it's still a book book menu. but I like that little extra effort. The hostess's mm-hmm. job is to open the door. And if I go there and I the door is not open to me, I'm just like, oh. <laughs> oh, they're having an off day. Okay. Mm-hmm. B-team's working lunch today. Yeah. You know? <laughs> uh, but you walk in and is your does your hostess look hungover? Do they look well-kempt? Do they, you know, are, they, are their nails clean? Because they might be touching your food at some point, too. Are they practicing the same, like, you know, facial hair is clean, you know, hair is nice. That is your first impression to a restaurant. Um, and then we touched on a little bit, like, what do you smell when you come in? Right, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's the first thing is the hostess. I think the hostess is the most important and one of the most easy ways I can critique a restaurant without touching the food. Because the hostess is very commonly a very younger person, um, usually in high school, maybe in college. Yeah, I can't, I'm not going there. Uh, it's usually a younger person, also very low paid also. Anywhere from 5 to $7, some kind of tip share or whatever. Yeah. Usually your first job, second job, part-time gig through college, whatever it is. 
Um, and so a lot of times I'll see terrible management not train them because they think, oh, they're going to be gone in a few months or they won't care about them. Like you said, they're coming in hungover um, just because they have long hair and bangty, batty eyes all the time that they'll let them do whatever they want. Well, that gives you a great insight to the management team. You know, if the hostess isn't trimmed and well-groomed and know, knows her stuff. Doesn't know how to sit people. It's like. Right. Then that means the management didn't train them properly. Then all of a sudden that starts to create problems. If they didn't train the hostess properly, did they train the servers? Did they train the cooks? Did the dishwashers get trained properly? Because to me, the hostess is one of the most easiest ones to do. It's like, hey, you can hang out with that server and you just shadow there. And then you'll, you'll, you'll learn everything pretty quickly from there. But a lot of times, terrible management, they were trying to cut costs. They'll give the hostess minimum hours to not have the time to learn and train mm-hmm. when they're only getting paid like, five bucks an I hour. Where can I sit you today? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then the hostess is the one that really is the orchestra because she's the one that sits in, sits in assignment tables. She can stall the tables to make sure that they stagger tickets um, before even servers do. Yeah, and Maddie brought up the smell, too. What What is the ideal well, smell you're looking for? Well, if you smell food at all, like grease or anything, that means that the vintage is not, like the vent hoods and stuff are not yeah. being properly cleaned, or there's not enough power to make sure that the food is, like everything. And, and you're not talking about food, wa- like someone you walking by with food. You shouldn't smell old grease. Yeah. You shouldn't right. smell the kitchen. When you go home after working a shift, you should not smell that yeah. in the yeah. establishment. Like, also carpets, I always look, if it is carpeted, or even if it's not, I make sure there's not like random food on the ground. Yeah. Forks are like a neck breaker. I, I can't do Roadhouse or those places where they yeah, throw no peanuts way. on the ground. Yeah, it just messes that my mind. stresses me out so much. I want to sweep for them. Oh my it's like, gosh. give me a broom. I'll, I'll make this up for you. I had the sweetest like little old waitress one day, and she was like, like barely like crunching through. And I was like, oh my, let me let me help you, ma'am. Like, I, high anxiety. I can't eat there. Yeah, but, yeah. but smell is very important. Yeah. You shouldn't smell the kitchen because the vintage should be working properly. If you do smell it, it means they're probably not putting the proper money. Yeah. And they probably don't have very good staff either because it's way too hot back there for no reason. Yeah, the kitchen's hot. Yes, I get it. But it doesn't mean that you don't have to fix your vintage hood, you know, and not yeah. fix it. Or clean it. Um, the only thing I, I want to smell when I walk in, it should be completely neutral. The only thing I should smell is the hostess's deodorant or, deodorant or perfume. And then when she leaves, that needs to leave also. So her smell shouldn't be so pungent that it lasts forever. Yeah. If I smell any food, it should be only food that's passing. Like if the table in front of me just got their lobster dinner, then I should start smelling the lobster as it passes by me. But again, it should also disappear. Yeah. Because smelling is one of the most important things in food. We smell first, right? And then if our, if our, if our uh, sorry, we see first, and then we smell. If we smell something rancid or off-putting, it's going to taste off-putting, period, in our mouth, no matter what. So if the guy in front of me has a lobster dinner, and I ordered a salad with chicken, that smell can inhibit my, my meal. Especially yeah. if you're allergic to lobster. Right. <laughs> Not a fan. Right, exactly. So smell is very, very, very important. Proper air conditioning, proper ventilation in a restaurant will, will attribute to that. And you guys both brought up last week the bathrooms. Um, it was a nice little tease. We didn't yeah. even realize oh, we were yeah. doing this, but it was a nice tease last week. Yeah. Um, but what is it that you know you should be looking for in a bathroom, and why does that matter when you're there to eat? Um, for me, particularly, just like as a woman, like everything should be clean in there because you go straight from there to eating. Like it's just like I feel if you're not putting the time and effort into the one place you can guarantee almost every single pe- person in your restaurant is going to go, like, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing where right. they're not going to see? Like, yeah. that's why I talked about, like, the past. Like, I always make sure if I can see that, I, like, peek in there or walk by 
and see if there's food on the ground or grease or whatever. But in a bathroom, like it should be fully stocked, like with toilet paper and, you know, um, toilet seat covers and stuff. Like as a woman, you use that every time, okay? Like you need it, okay? Mm-hmm. And soap and and are the, what are those called? Towel dispensers? Yep. Are those working properly? <laughs> Thank you. We just did a little charade. So, so you don't want the towels where you pull. I think and, that's awful. And you just wipe and then you pull a little bit more and yeah. it just keeps going. And I think you that's don't like those. <laughs> and in Chicago, in the uh, there's like a rotating toilet seat cover that does that uh. in the Chicago airports. <laughs> no, sir. That's disgusting. Not for me. But no, I want disposable I want things to be working properly. I don't want to have to search around with wet hands. And I want to make sure that there's a trash can next to the door. Yeah. That means your wait staff is using a paper towel to open the door and throw it away. Interesting. That is key. Yeah. By the door is very important. That yeah. is, I look for that every single place I go because I will always open the door with a paper towel. And if it's not right. there, even like in Walmart bathrooms and stuff like that, there should be that there. Yeah, at least use my shirt. If there's, if there's nothing to do, I always grab the inside of my shirt and just or like just pray for the make best. Make a fist and do that. Yeah. But if <laughs> if there's not an extra trash can by the door, I don't trust anyone's hands yeah. because there is going to be. It's interesting. They wash their hands. People. They open the door with with their bare hands, and, and this is right back to cross contamination. Even if your wait staff is trained to wash their hands and they're doing that properly, there's going to be those average people that don't wash their hands or don't or don't use soap, and then they're going to touch the handle, mm-hmm. and that is huge for me. I think it's absolutely horrid. <laughs> See, for for restrooms for me, it's so earlier we talked about how the parking lot looked and the front looked. So that is the feeling or the emotion that you're giving your customers whenever they come in. So it's important to stay neutral as much as you can until the food comes out, right? Because the food should be the one that tells you you're going to stay or not. But unfortunately, most of the time it's not. So the restroom comes in, right? So we have a good feel coming in. Hopefully we had a good hostess coming in. Everything looks nice. We have a good feeling. Next is the restroom. A lot of times when people are nervous, they'll go to the restroom just to go, just to maybe break away, just to kind of change their environment a little bit, whether they need to use the restroom or not. That's why every time I step into a restaurant, I go right to the restroom. I need that little break of time. And And a lot of people are like that, a little social anxiety in the beginning, and and that's fine to have. Um, So whenever you go to the restroom, we need to continue that feeling of, of being comfortable. Yeah. So if your restroom is janky and torn up and holes missing, like you don't feel comfortable anymore. You know? Nobody wants to go number two in an awkward place. <laughs> you you want to feel comfortable, yeah, right? So if, if to me the restroom has to be clean and brand new. Everything has to be brand new inside of there. Um, well painted, well designed, nice lighting, not super bright like a surgery room, but also not dark like a dive bar oh, either. Some bars are awful, yeah. And so, because if, if whenever I start to see those things that don't, uh, the bad things in restrooms, like the used toilets and reuse this and reuse that, again, I'm thinking, you ran out of money. <laughs> you ran out of planning. You didn't yeah. plan your restaurant properly. Your parking lot doesn't have any parking. You know, all the lights are ran out. You didn't finish construction. Your restroom is halfway done. I'm really afraid to even start with the food anymore. Yeah, and that's, yeah, I mean, that's the interesting thing is, like, to me, it seems like this is all a look behind the kitchen without actually getting to go behind the kitchen. Because right. a toilet you know, is a lot less expensive right. than an oven. Right, yeah. exactly. A toilet's, what, 100, 180 bucks. A brand new one with some, like, digital stuff, like, two or 300 bucks. Yeah. You know, like, why why, why do you cheap out on that? Because, the, again, if you're cheaping out on those things, are you buying the actual prime filet that you say you're selling on yeah. there? Are you going to cheap out on that prime filet and go to Fiesta and get the stuff that's half off because it's already expired? Abelitas. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I have always felt this way going into a restaurant. And correct me if I'm wrong here. 
Um, I don't like if a glass has like watermarks on it or, or utensils because to me that is dirty. Correct. I don't think it's not actually dirty, but it looks dirty. So is that like a would be a turn off at a restaurant as well? Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Same thing with the watermarks in the restroom. Like that, that makes me the most annoyed yeah. of all time. If, if your customers are going through there over and over and over again, you need to be cleaning it over and over and over again. Yeah. Like you need to pay for the staff to be cleaning it. Same with the watermarks on cups and forks, um, your servers are after they're done, done being washed. It should be getting polished. And I'm not talking like chrome wheels, plated polish, where everything's perfect. No, just make sure there's no food debris or watermarks left on there. Yeah, that's that's what it is for me. Is like if I see watermarks, I know that they're not doing the extra check to make sure that there's not Right, that's another sign that the, the, well. the management team isn't actually, is there for a paycheck versus a, an experience yeah. that you're paying for. And I've seen lipstick go through dishwashers before and still be on glasses. Mm-hmm. Even yeah. though it went through the 180 degree so it's clean, process, but yeah. it's sanitized. But no, that's not clean. Yeah. And there's some wicked strong lipsticks out there. Like I don't wear it, but it's out there. Mm-hmm. And you got to throw that cup like, away. That cup's done. You've got to get in there and scrub it up. Like a little elbow grease will take it off. But I mean, there's there's times where I've seen cups just keep going through. I'm like, they're like, yeah. nope. And and, just and wash it. <laughs> I'm glad you brought that up because again, we still haven't had our food yet. Oh. Yeah, you know, we, we've gone to the restroom. We've got our water. Our drinks are at our table. Our drinks are at a table, and we've, and we've seen all these things. You know, I I would still keep going because I'm a little more adventurous than most people. But I would tell most people just to stop right there because you're enough. you're probably going to get disappointed. Just yeah. go go to Taco Bell real quick, you know, because you can expect things from the Taco yeah, Bell. Yeah, and, like and maybe we <laughs> we recorded this out of order, but um, <laughs> yeah. So go back with this knowledge and listen to the first. Right. half of the podcast as well right. but um yeah i, I mean that it, it seems to make a lot of sense and i'm a average consumer sitting here with two people that have actually worked in the back of the house and um so is there any other last things that you look for at a restaurant yeah. that would be good or bad My, this, the, this is i keep saying they're all important but a lot of those things you can disregard because they may be just bad business owners or first-time business owners yeah. but the menu size to kitchen size okay. is one of the biggest things that I'll actually leave a restaurant for. Everything else I'll disregard. Hopefully the food's good. Um, I've been to little restaurants that have eight to 12 page menus. <laughs> and the kitchen is literally no bigger than my home kitchen. There's no way you can produce fresh quality food in that tiny of a kitchen. Yeah, it is a physical limitation to how much you can serve. If I go to a, me- a restaurant where the menu is ridiculous, I try to get top hitters. I try to get big sellers. I won't go off the beaten path and order like lamb meatballs because as a consumer, I'm thinking not many people will order lamb meatballs. Right. Because I've done that before and they were like, rank. You really? Know, because they've sat there and it's like, well, we might have a couple more days on it. We have them made. We made a large amount of it. We didn't freeze them or A, B, or C, whatever. I If I go to a, you know, a cheesecake factory or something that is huge, I try to get big hitters that are big sellers because it's like a seven really? page. Right, because the prep, yeah, seven pages is way too think, much for me, man. I try to think like a like a basic uh, person and yeah. <laughs> very, very basic and what would, um, you know, the average people look for and buy. So what what's a good menu size then, one page? Something to think about, if, so to connect with the people out there is if, you, if you've ever gone to a Taco Bell or a fast food place, Look how big their menu is and look how big their kitchen is. Most fast food restaurants, about 50 to 60% of this space is restaurant capacity. Yeah. 
and their menu wouldn't be much bigger than a page or two if you were to put it on a printout, right? It'd be like one or two pages, maybe. Yeah, yeah. And the cross-utilization of products is it's huge. everywhere, yeah, right? Too. And so think about that when you go to a regular restaurant. If they don't have a kitchen that's that big, they shouldn't have an eight-page menu. And if they do have an eight-page menu, are the, is it all just hamburgers with different toppings? Okay, great. Then you can have eight pages, yeah. right? Because it's literally one thing. But if you go in there, you see hamburgers, lamb, meatballs, scallops, risotto, fish, fish of the day, you know, all these other things. Like diners. Uh, I'm from New Jersey, and back home, you know, we have diners, and you have 20-page menus, and right. you can get your chicken parmesan, or you can get your steak, or Over you can half get... half of that is frozen, though, so oh, you have to yeah. consider yeah. that. So does that make a difference there? Huge difference. Yeah. Because you can keep it longer, but at the same time, if you're ordering a case of fish for fish and chips, how much are you selling that? Yeah. As opposed to chicken fried chicken or chicken fried steak that's coming in pre-frozen, you know, and it's all about inventory and, you know, we can get into that another day. But um, another big thing I look for, though, is how clean the bar is. Like if I'm going to sit at the bar, if you can smell it, (laughs) I'm not ordering a mixed drink from you. I will have a beer. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, definitely. With the bar, like bar flies, because that's going to increase contamination. And also, the, will the management team even keep track of that stuff? Uh, but with, we'll go back to the menu real quick. The large sorry. menu. Now, the the larger the menu, the more likely your stuff's frozen and pre-processed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because and, it's and is that the same for small restaurants as well? Like, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. It doesn't matter what size your restaurant is. If you look at the kitchen size and the menu size, smaller the kitchen is, the bigger the menu, the more likelihood of frozen, rancid, pre-processed stuff. Yeah. If you look at some of the finer places, like I went to, like if you look at Grace or Little Red Wasp, their menu is one page, and their kitchen's huge. You know, I, uh, we In both worked at Grace yeah. at one point, and they spent like two point five million dollars on their kitchen, and they still have a one page menu, right? Yeah. You go to a little mom and pop shop down the road with the six page menu and a what thirty thousand dollar kitchen, you, it's just it's physically impossible to keep up. Also, yeah. think about the price point too. Like if you're going to a diner, you're not going to pay more than eight dollars a meal, probably eight mm-hmm. to ten. You go to Grace, you're going to spend upwards of $80 per person. And that's Mm -hmm. maybe without wine, honestly. So, which it's worth it, by the way. But, you know, just taking those things into consideration. And also kind of, if you live by a restaurant, it's interesting to see how often delivery food trucks come in. Do they come in once a week? Do they come in twice? What are they? Are they Cisco and that could be your dry storage? Or is it, um, you know, like Lone Star Meats? Uh, You know, things like that. How often do you see these trucks? And like my child's daycare, um, he's three days a week, and I see that truck there almost twice a week. Right. And and so I know that they're getting in, and it's U.S. food, so I know they're probably getting their um, all their food and their other products in there as well as far as dry storage and stuff. I think that's important to see and make sure that fresh food is coming in and out of that school. As I mean, he's doing bottles now, but when he starts these foods, and I see like the meals and stuff and the fresh fruit they get, I'm always looking at it. Because yeah. he will yeah. be eating that one day when I'm not... They're supervising. I can't tell you how many restaurants I've worked at that advertised homemade gnocchi, but then they they bought the pre-prozen stuff. Yeah. So many restaurants I've worked for, they said we're doing homemade stuff and it's being bought somewhere else. And you know what? They, you know what the, the owners would tell me? It's homemade somewhere else. And it's yeah. like they would laugh about it. But in my in my head, I'm just like, you can't do this yeah. to people. This is not fair. It's not fair to the chefs like us who, when we go do our thing, we're actually making the handmade gnocchi, actually spending the three or four days to prep for something. House chips and you're shaving the Right. Potatoes. And then these guys, they buy it frozen from Cisco, but they have a great charismatic personality. So they go out there on TV and be like, I made this yeah. from scratch. And actually, you know what? I think that might be a good 
good spot to end it and maybe we'll maybe that'll be our next topic or maybe somewhere down the line is is ethics and i like uh, that the restaurant industry but it should be let's let's wrap this one up here and let's just say start when you go to a restaurant anyone listening start thinking about the place you're at right from the second you park Mm -hmm. all the way to the end of the the trip and then that pretty much could help you uh figure out whether or not you're going to recommend it yeah um, in the future or not after you order the food the food you, sh- you don't need to know how to judge the food. Yeah. Your mouth will tell you how to judge exactly. the food. Exactly. So it's you're it's everything that else point. that goes into it. Right. For sure. But, yeah, thanks thanks again for uh, coming on this week. And um, hopefully we'll, we'll get together again maybe next week and, and talk about some ethics. Yeah, so. cool. Absolutely. That episode was brought to you by the Culinary School of Fort Worth. Located on Camp Bowie Boulevard, the Culinary School of Fort Worth is helping future chefs pursue their dreams every single day. You can reach out for more information or to schedule a tour on their website at csftw.edu, or you can reach them by phone at 817-737-8427. That's 817-737-8427. Also, you can check them out on social media to see what's going on daily at the school at Culinary School of Fort Worth on Facebook and Culinary School FTW on Instagram.